Well, hey friends, it's Kevin with Better Bible Reading, and I'm glad to be with you for another episode of the podcast. Today, I wanted to think through what we do with our summer break. Now, you might be out of high school, out of college, so you don't have a traditional summer break as we once were able to enjoy it. But if you're a family that plans vacations, if you naturally take advantage of what summer usually affords us, and that means kind of taking a break from so many of the extracurricular things that we're doing, maybe even the churches that we belong to are not doing as many things during the summertime. And so it's a natural time of the year for us to take a step back and hit the brakes a little bit, relax, uh, rest from the daily grind. Sometimes when we do that, Bible reading can become part of that whole idea of taking a break. Or we have been so busy in our Bible study groups or small groups or whatever it is that we've been involved with that unless you're tethered to a a YouTube channel or podcast like this, uh, then you're probably taking advantage of a break from your regular routine of reading. Uh, this is easy to do, especially if we're spending time at hotels or resorts. We don't have our, we're not in our normal environment. And so it's easy for us to uh, just kind of uh, hit the off button, as it were. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking breaks. There's nothing wrong with breaking routine and uh, kind of uh, trying to reconvene later. Um, But there is something wrong if we kind of, don't make the best use of even our break times and our vacation times uh, by using um, some different reading processes to our advantage. Now, the way that I've wanted to frame this episode is a little unorthodox because what I'm going to recommend for you to do if you're kind of stuck on how should I use my summer break uh, for the glory of God, for a good opportunity for me to still grow as a Bible reader and studier of the Bible. Um, The way that I'm going to recommend this is a little bit unorthodox because I don't necessarily find myself right now in the midst of a break time. In fact, what got me thinking about sharing this idea with all of you um, is the fact that I'm taking a summer class right now for school. So, I've talked earlier this year about recommending that you read the Bible, the entire New Testament, that is, reading the entire New Testament in a a month's time. Uh, That was a few episodes back. I've talked with all of you about that. 27 books in the New Testament, 30 to 31 days in a month. And so you have a really good opportunity to split up those books in the New Testament to one book per day and work your way through it in a month's time. Now, I'm going to be sharing a video from what I've learned by doing that, by reading the New Testament in a month uh, a little bit later on. But for today, we're going to take that idea and kind of twist it in a totally different direction. Still have in your mind what you can do in a month's time, specifically now that we're almost into 
kind of the dead heat of summer. Now, down here in Florida, we've already been in the dead heat of summer. It just kind of happens after you get out of February all the way through the end of the year. We're in the heat of summer relentlessly. But kind of that mid-range June through the middle of July, so maybe not like a hard and fast, like, first to the 31st month time frame, but just a 30-day period where we're definitely out of school, we're definitely planning our summer vacations, but we're not quite ready for the new school year and all of the things that kick off come August. So what do you do with that 30, 45-day time frame? Let's just stick it down to to 30 days uh, just to relate it to a month's time. What do you do with that? How can you make the best use of reading your Bible and really capitalizing off of that kind of lull time? Well, what I want to recommend that you do is take one book of the Bible and read it for a month's time. The book that I'm going to recommend is the Gospel of John, and the reason for that is because right now I am taking a summer class on the Gospel of John. And so while my class is eight weeks long, uh, what I'm recommending to do is in a month's time, not eight weeks. But during these eight weeks, I am just solely focused, at least as far as my assignments and papers and everything go, I'm solely focused on the Gospel of John. I am reading and rereading the Gospel of John. I'm reading other things about the Gospel of John. I'm reading uh, New Testament backgrounds related to the time of John's Gospel. I'm reading commentaries on the Gospel of John. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do all of those things. Really, what I'm going to recommend that you do is pick the Gospel of John, or if you've already done this, perhaps, with the Gospel of John, you can choose another book. But if you want to follow along with me, I'm going to be doing the Gospel of John and read it and reread it for a month's time. Now, you could do this pretty easily, I would argue, if you wanted to dedicate, oh, let's say, about an hour to two hours of consistent reading. You could read the entire Gospel of John every single day for a month's time. But if we just look at the Gospel of John, we could really divide it in a few different ways. Uh, First, you could look at John's Gospel and say, all right, there's 21 chapters in John. So if I wanted to split that up, maybe two ways or three ways, you could do 777 for three days. You could just read first seven chapters, then 8 through 14, then 15 through 21. You could do that and just keep going through that cycle for a month's time. You're going to have a whole lot of reading through the Gospel of John um, if you follow that pattern. Or you could split it up, and instead of splitting it up 10 and 10, I would actually recommend split it up chapters 1 through 12 and then chapters 13 through 21. The reason for that is because the Gospel of John, though it doesn't mathematically quite work out 50-50, it's really um, set up in two different ways. The first 12 chapters of John focus on the ministry of Jesus. So kind of the signs, uh, what he is doing, the famous I am statements, uh, his conversation with people like Nicodemus and the woman at the well 
and the woman caught in adultery, and all of those events that take place in the first 12 chapters, uh, raising Lazarus from the dead, happening there at the tail end of those first 12 chapters. So that's kind of the first half. But then when you get to chapter 13, we enter into what we call the upper room discourse, where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. He speaks to his disciples, uh, or you have his uh, teaching about the Holy Spirit, where he speaks to them about this comforter, this teacher that's going to come and guide them in all truth after he leaves that famous way, the truth, and the life, chapter 14, and the analogies of Jesus being uh, the vine and his disciples being the branches of the vine and abiding in him to have uh, to bear fruit. All of those things take place in what we call the upper room discourse. Also, along with that whole time frame is when Jesus shares his last supper with the twelve. The tail end of the upper room discourse happens in chapter 17, where we have Jesus' high priestly prayer. And then followed after that is the passion narrative, so Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to finish out the book. So you could really divide it up uh, in those two ways. You could look at chapters 1 through 12, kind of the public ministry of Jesus, and then chapters 13 through the end, his upper room discourse, and then the passion narrative. You could decide how you want to split this up, but really, uh, either of those options are good, uh, because depending on what your schedule looks like, you could say, all right, I don't know that I could read, you know, 12 chapters in a day, or I don't know that I could read the entire Gospel of John in a day, but it's pretty reasonable that I could do seven chapters a day, split that up into three days, and every fourth day you're circling back to start over in the Gospel of John again. You probably haven't done that, unless you've been in Bible college or seminary, uh, or some kind of intensive study of a certain book of the Bible. You probably haven't done this repeat of reading a certain book of the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament. Uh, Maybe you're somebody that likes to read a psalm every day or a proverb every day, And that would be one of those things where we're kind of going through that cycle again and again. But in general, we typically don't look at the Gospels as one of those books that we just keep reading through. I mean, after all, there's three other Gospels in the Bible besides the Gospel of John. So typically when we finish the Gospel of John, we're probably going to go to one of the other Gospels or move on to something else in the Bible. But John is a good candidate because it's very easy to read. It's very compact in all of the things that he addresses in that gospel, but we come away with so many of those uh, kind of hallmark passages of scripture that happen in John's gospel. Um, A while back, I interviewed my pastor, and you can find that episode on YouTube or the podcast feed, on what it was like to spend about a year and a half in the gospel of John for him as a preacher, going verse by verse through that book, and then for me as a member of the congregation, hearing the Gospel of John preached from beginning to end. So we reflected on some of the great takeaways of that Gospel. So if you're kind of on the fence of this whole idea of maybe deciding whether the Gospel of John would be worth your time, 
of course, recognizing that every book of the Bible is God-breathed and profitable for us to study, but maybe you're saying, well, I don't have a problem thinking about how relevant John's gospel is, but maybe just in general, whether I should choose that book or another one. I would recommend you to go back to that episode and just listen to that conversation that we had about John's gospel, and I promise you by the end of it, uh, you'll be motivated to check it out. So maybe do that. I'll put a link in the description of this video uh, for you to find that episode. But either way, you cut it. If you want to do you know, three days going through the gospel and going on repeat, if you want to try to read the gospel every day for a month, or if you want to split it up 50-50, or at least in general, verse 12 and then 13 through 21, regardless of what you decide, what you'll come away with after the end of 30-ish days this summer is a whole lot of things that you can't notice when you just read through a book once. You'll notice maybe some structural patterns of how the book is arranged. Uh, if you have a study Bible or if you watch a video that kind of highlights the Gospel of John, maybe you wonder, how people like this uh, could come up with proposed outlines of the book, or how is it that you can understand the structure of a book like John or any other book of the Bible for that matter? Well, it happens by repetition. You might be able to notice some interesting details within the gospel, but sometimes understanding those trees, those kind of plant life elements of a forest, doesn't necessarily allow us to see the full picture of the for, of the forest from afar. That's the benefit of studying a book over and over again, going through a cycle of reading the same book. Now, you don't do it because you think that God's going to say different things to you at different times and, and contradict himself or something like that. But we are finite human beings. We are not all-knowing. We do not have the capacity to retain all information and have kind of an exhaustive understanding of anything. So that means that the more times we go through something, the more we're going to be able to pick up on things that we missed the first time, things that didn't quite connect the first few times that will eventually connect, or patterns, cycles, overall structures that you can't see when you're zoomed in so closely, but when you can take a step back to analyze the full picture you can start to see things connect, and then it helps every individual element of the book make so much more sense. Now again, I'm using the Gospel of John as an example, but the same thing can be true about any book of the Bible. But again, if you want to go alongside me and what I'm doing, I recommend doing this with the Gospel of John, because you definitely don't have to worry about it being way too complicated to understand, or way too fancy a way of speaking that it just loses you. Uh, this would be a little bit more difficult to do in a book like Ezekiel or maybe even Isaiah because there'd be a whole lot more things to try to follow along with. John's gospel is incredibly readable. People understand this about this gospel. This is one of those books that people recommend you start off with if you just got a Bible for the first time and want to know where to begin. So there's a wonderful thing to be said about how much this can apply to the gospel of John. But the good thing is, when you get into the fall of 2022, or whatever year it is when you're watching this video or listening, you can look back and say, it's true that I didn't read 
a ton of books in the Bible. It's true that I didn't have this massive checklist of things that I completed during the summer, but one thing that is true for sure, and one thing that I am eternally grateful for, is that during this past summer, I sat down with the Gospel of John and just poured into it. I just studied everything that I could about that gospel and how it's arranged. I became saturated in it. I started memorizing verses. I started understanding if somebody asked me what happens in chapter 8, I'd be able to tell them because I was in it for so long. And this meditation on the Bible does not necessarily have to do with how much time you spend thinking about a passage after you read it, although it can. It can also have to do with rehearsing it, rehearsing the content through your mind for so much, doing that at such a repeated uh, cycle that you come away having it ingrained in your mind. You might not be able to cite you know, book, chapter, verse of any given topic in, in John, but you understand the flow so much that you have kind of this uh, ownership to the book that didn't exist before you did this. And so many people can do this kind of thing and come away even after years of not interacting with that book at the same level, still have so much uh, retained knowledge of the book. So really, you have nothing to lose. I mean, the bar is being set here for you very low because I'm not telling you to read X amount of different books. I'm not telling you to complete this, you know, uh, impossible task. What I'm recommending you do is take a very simple book, a very profound book in the New Testament uh, that has so many important things to tell us and spend some quality time with it. That book being the Gospel of John. So do this during the summer. And let's reconvene later on once the fall comes around. Uh, we can have a reflection episode on uh, what we learned from it. Uh, if you're committed to doing this, uh, shoot me an email. Comment on the YouTube video. Let me know uh, what interests you about reading the Gospel of John during the summer. And maybe some questions if you want to jot down during your time reading that you want to kind of revisit later on. Uh, we'll have a kind of reconvening episode where we can maybe interact with some of those questions. So really, uh, the door's wide open for what we want to do with this, but I just wanted to invite you alongside what I'll be doing this summer and just come away with the less is more approach. There's something to be said about Bible reading plans and uh, completing the Bible every single year and kind of 2xing and 5xing your Bible reading approach. Uh, that's why I share so much detail about different kinds of Bibles and using wide margins and writing journals and beginning your own commentary set and all of that. But there's also something to be said about slowing down without stopping, slowing down your momentum, maybe, but still making important progress. Uh, think about the journey through a wilderness where you're navigating all different kinds of terrain. When you get to kind of flat land, you can make a whole lot of progress and it's really impressive to say that I just covered X amount of miles on this flat land. When you get to a mountain, when you're at the foot of a mountain, that mountain 
in terms of its span is not as long in reach as those dozens of miles that you've covered previously. But the feat of working through the very bottom of that mountain, climbing up to its peak, and then going all the way down to say that you went all the way through that mountain, though not far, though your momentum wasn't nearly as much as it was on that flat ground, it is a monumental thing to say that I navigated through that mountain terrain. That's kind of what I'm encouraging you to do here. Our Bible reading plans are kind of that flat ground where we just work our way through from beginning to end, get all the way through it, and say, look how much progress we made. But when we focus in on a certain book of the Bible, when we're trying to work through all of the intricacies of that book and come away with a much more deeper appreciation for it, it's kind of like working from the bottom of a mountain and going all the way up and all the way back down. You didn't cover a lot of ground, but the ground that you covered is significant. And so that's what I invite you to do. Let's interact with this mountain of John's gospel. We won't be able to come away saying we know everything there is to know about it. We probably won't be able to memorize the entire thing. We'll definitely not say, now that we've read that, we have no reason to interact with it again. In fact, what we will do is say, there's so much more there. There's so much more that I didn't pick up on that I would love to do again, but there's so much that I understand now that I didn't understand at the beginning of the summer. So there's my sales pitch to you. There's my encouragement. If you've been wondering, what in the world do I do during the summer? How do I make the best use of my time? My encouragement is less is more. Don't try to put a huge burden on your back, this impossible task to complete by the end of the summer, just because things have slowed down. But take advantage of interacting with that natural break of your daily routine, but still make it count and make it count in this case by reading the Gospel of John throughout the summer, pick whatever cycle you want, read the whole book every day, read half of it and alternate, or read seven chapters a day and alternate every fourth day beginning again. Either way you do it, I'd love to hear uh, what it means for you, and please reach out to me. You can do that at betterbiblereading at gmail.com, or just leave a comment on this video. But this is Kevin Morris, and this is a little bit of a shorter episode, but I wanted to motivate you for this summer. I hope you have a great summer. I hope things are going really well for all of you. Thank you so much for always uh, your listening and watching support. Please take advantage of the free course, if you haven't already, over at betterbiblereading.com forward slash free class, or you could just go to the homepage betterbiblereading.com. You'll be able to see it right there on top. You want to know how to read the Bible? what kind of things to put in place, what kind of patterns to follow. Uh, that free course breaks it all down for you. That's my gift as a way of saying thank you so much for uh, spending your time with me, and I hope it's beneficial to you. But this is Kevin Morris with the Better Bible Reading Podcast. I will see all of you on another episode real soon. Take care.